Welcome to Tuesday Talkies, where we discuss what's going on in the world of music business. I'm Peter Schwing, and joining me today are my fellow co-hosts, Sam Tall, Aisha Adamo, Stephanie Carlin, and The Duke. If there's some comments you'd like to chime in about, leave them down below. Today, we're going to discuss the Harry Fox Agency getting sued for gross negligence as part of the Eight Mile Style versus Spotify suit. New AARP report shows evidence that music can improve brain health and well-being. Speaking your truth and freedom of our own minds is within our control. So let's get to it. As reported in Music Business Worldwide, Spotify launched its legal action against the publisher and Cobalt after 8 Mile Style sued Spotify in the U.S. last year, alleging that Spotify lacked licenses for nearly 250 M&M songs. Spotify suggested in its claim that Although the underlying infringement claim by 8 Mile lacks merit, it is Cobalt that bears the ultimate responsibility should 8 Mile prevail. Now, 8 Mile Style has just filed suit again, and this time the publisher is aiming a number of serious allegations at Spotify and U.S.-based mechanical rights organization Harry Fox Agency. At the center of the case, 8 Mile accuses HFA of a joint conspiracy with Spotify to distribute fraudulent documents and misrepresentations designed to conceal and enable Spotify's infringement of the 8 Mile compositions. The filing suggests that Cobalt was tricked into believing that Spotify had compulsory licenses and into accepting royalty statements distributed by HFA on behalf of Spotify and was further tricked into believing that 8 Mile was being accounted to properly. Sam, I really love the fact that Eminem's camp tries to keep the industry in check. If we go back to 2007, uh, Eminem sued Apple, which was for the second time, saying the publishers had not given Apple permission to offer the artist music for download, which was eventually settled out of court. And then in 2009, Eminem's publishing company at the time, FBP, FBT Productions, sued Universal Music Group for $1.6 million in alleged unpaid royalties, which was all about the definition of what a download is. They claim downloads should fall under the licensing agreements, while Universal said they are governed by distribution arrangements, which would have the lower royalty rates. So with that history in mind, what do you have on this current lawsuit? So this is a, a really interesting one. It's a lot of fun for a sort of uh, industry uh, titan clashing you know, junkie like me. Um, I love when these sort of like mountains get moved that really kind of change the landscape for the rest of us. Um, so contextually speaking, I love, I thank you for, for giving the sort of background on the Eminem stuff because Eminem's camp historically has been uh, really, really aggressive and early on um, making sure that uh, rights are in check. And basically just the result of a lot of this stuff is, is Eminem and the folks who came before that uh, suit end up getting, uh, treated fairly, treated, you know, in accordance with, I mean, typically Eminem's camp is right about the way that they attack it. Um, but then the unintended consequences after the fact, uh, everybody else who comes in the system after gets subject to new legal language, things get a little bit hairy. So if, for example, Eminem, as a result of his lawsuit with Universal, gets a 50-50 split for his downloads and again for his uh, streaming as performances or broadcasts as opposed to sales, uh, like uh, akin to a CD, um, Universal is going to tweak the language on those contracts and make sure that artists that come after don't get the benefit from 50%. They get the 20 or 15 or whatever the rate ends up being. I've had experience with this in management where 
an artist signed to Universal ends up getting a really low rate, even on streaming. But that's just kind of the contract that's on offer. We don't have a, a, you know, the ability to negotiate that out, especially without having Eminem's kind of clout. Now, Eminem's clout, his sales history, his position as um, one of the largest artists of all time is fundamental to the addition of Harry Fox Agency to the existing lawsuit um, that uh, Eight Mile Style, which is a company that holds the assets for the music from that film and potentially some other catalog. I'm not exactly sure as to what they do hold, but I know that this specific at issue are some of the songs from the film Eight Mile. Um, Originally filed uh, with regard to Spotify and then third party with Cobalt as sort of a middleman in the uh, process of accounting royalties. Harry Fox got added to this suit recently on the basis of the fact that Harry Fox, uh, like you mentioned, is complicit and even abetting the sort of gross fraud when it comes to mechanical royalty payments. Now, to be clear, it's one sided right now. This is just one side. This is the plaintiff's complaint. We need to see a response from Spotify and a response from Harry Fox, but it's scathing. It's really, really, really tough to see how, first off, any of this isn't demonstrably true and also how it isn't going to be the, the, you know, the nail in the coffin for an organization like HFA, which has been plagued by sort of these issues for a long time. Yeah, it's interesting, Chris, in the filing, and, and I know you went through it in much more detail, but... This and using scathing, I mean, this is, you know, continuing to find like defendants engaged in their fraudulent scheme in a joint effort. And, and then we have four points here to conceal Spotify's failure to acquire timely compulsory li mechanical licenses, deceive Cobalt and Eight Mile into accepting royalties that were based on statutory rates, uh, deceive Cobalt and Eight Mile into accepting royalties that were based on false usage information, and to avoid the need for Spotify to negotiate in contract with eight mile for a more expensive direct voluntary mechanical licensing agreement i mean this is pretty tough language yeah and i think so to explain kind of what all this boils down to um there the couple of pieces that really kind of undermine spotify and harry fox in their argument are the fact that harry fox has known for years who owns these compositions and Spotify via Harry Fox is issuing NOIs on the basis that they don't know who owns the song. So we're just going to NOI them until we can find the right licensee or licensor. Um, and, and a lot of this, rightly so, has to do with the uh, impending enforcement of the Music Modernization Act and the instantiation of the Music uh, Mechanical Licensing Committee under that uh, act, which would under the shifting tides of the industry would preclude eight mile style from seeking any kind of legal recourse or compensatory action uh, for issues of misallocated royalties underpaid by virtue of the uh, streams being underreported all that would spotify would have to do would then just go to audit itself and say oh yeah you're right there's some missing here here's what was missing but under the current paradigm without the mma Eight Mile Style can say, you underpaid us, and that's infringement. And so you're now on the hook for way more than you would otherwise have been on the hook for. Now, obviously, Spotify has been sued a few times with regard to mechanical royalties. And so they obviously have an interest in, in not being on the hook for these legal settlements. But the piece that really kind of hurts, from my perspective, uh, as a bit of a crusader for music rights, is the way that Harry Fox, especially during its time uh, as a company under the NMPA, uh, 
handled a lot of the information and failed to transmit it to Spotify and get these licenses in place when they had the chance at the beginning. And the NMPA is one of the parties that sued Spotify for the infringement of, of uh, music copyrights and the underpayment of royalties. For, mind you, $25 million in the settlement supposed to be spread out across all uh, afflicted parties, which is peanuts compared to the scale of it. Um, and then the end result is that party uh, members of the NMPA then are, can't then re-sue Spotify separately because they're part of the class action, right? And so now we have issues like this where the NMPA got a tiny little settlement that only really helps the major three and companies like 8 Mile Seller left out in the cold more or less. Then this comes out that while NMPA owned HFA, HFA was uh, abetting Spotify in the gross underpayment of royalties and then also precluding publishers from seeking damages as a result. So it's kind of like, it's six layers of fraud, allegedly. It's allegedly. a shit show sandwich and multi-layered, <laughs> like it's, it's a club sandwich. Yeah, exactly. It's just everything you can possibly imagine going wrong. So suffice it to say, this is a really hairy one. I'm going to be watching this closely. Um, I'm no fan of Harry Fox Agency. I've been out in public on that in the past. Like, it's a it's a dated organization doing, you know, it's it's bare minimum at best on its best day, uh, mostly on paper when we could be digital. A lot of the issues could have been circumvented years ago if they just kind of kept upgrading the way that some of the PROs have, and especially the way that some of the mechanical societies in foreign countries have, that I've been really impressed by. But here we are. They're, they're the old house down the block that takes forever to, you know, get up to current speed. I mean, HFA was, you know, dealing with them years ago. It's like, why can't I do all this online? Every other rights organization has all this great online information. I can register, I can file claims. It's like an HFA is just so the, the, the ship, it just won't turn. And I think that's what it's stuck in its lane. And it's just kind of like, you know, let it go out to sea is what you're saying. Well, I think that just to kind of put a cap on it and to keep, you know, to extend that metaphor, Harry Fox saw the icebergs and said, you know what, we can't steer, so we have to go through the icebergs. But in order to make everybody think that this is normal, we're just going to tell everybody, oh, there's just icebergs everywhere. There's nothing we can do about it. When in reality, everybody has a chance to steer clear if they, if, you know, if given that chance and HFA kind of robs them of that chance and then defrauds them. All right, we're going to steer clear of the icebergs, and I'm just going to throw this over here and call that one a wrap. So next up, uh, News Advocate noted a new report from the Global Council on Brain Health concluding that the music can potentially stimulate brain health, manage stress, and help treat brain health conditions as varied as dementia, stroke, and Parkinson's disease. Brain health experts convened by the Global Council recommend people of all ages consider incorporating music into their lives to help improve quality of life and well-being. I totally agree with this. And to talk more in depth about this, we have the Duke. Don't we all just love music? Music is the best. Music has been my best friend since I was in third grade when I started playing the saxophone in Brooklyn Public School. Um, I just love music so much and I just feel that music is, is such the vibration can heal people. It is so positive. 
And um, being that this is a music industry uh, conversation and the people that watch this is, are music industry people, I'll kind of kind of focus this to music industry people. So being in the music industry, I found that somehow people came into the music industry loving music and somehow along the way got jagged and bitter and turned into these sour people that just hate music. I was talking to this booking agent the other day and he was just talking about how he hates all the music that he books. And I said, that's so unfortunate. And um, I think about how you can compare that to other businesses. If uh, you are a mechanic and you came in loving cars and you came out just hating every car that drove into the garage. So I think we just got to look at music and just really appreciate why we all started in the music industry, why music is so powerful, how it can heal people. And really like from the creators to the business people really just think and just go like, why are we in the music pool? What are we swimming for? And what are the fish that we want to eat? You know what I'm saying? So um, that's just how, you know, I just love music. And, and um, this article just really just put it again. It was just like, man, how powerful is music, you know? Yeah, and I'm going to put that the links in the show notes to that article. It is it is a great article. And, you know, just going along with like the booking agent you said, I mean, I've been in, in and out of the business for so long. It's like you get to this love-hate relationship because it's easy to get burnt out to the point where it's like, I just don't want to hear any more new music. I need a timeout. But then when you can come back and refresh and then you find that excitement and that joy of why you started doing that in the first place and why we got into the music business. So it's always kind of like, you know, looking back saying, you know, why did I do this in the first place? Because if you're not into it anymore, then maybe it's time to move on. Definitely. I mean, if you feel that you have become uh, jagged and bittered, then maybe it's time for you to focus on something else so that you can love music again. Maybe you're just too in depth in it, you know? And just the last thing, it's like the last manager that I had, um, wonderful gentleman named Alan Sachs, he created the TV show, Welcome Back Cotter. 70 something years old, man. The guy just had so much positive energy and love for music, even at that age. And I see some people in their 30s and 40s and they just lost it after a decade. So just like you said, man, you know, sometimes you got to take that pause button. I've seen people in the industry, some of the old times like executives that were CEOs that were in their 70s and 80s going out to clubs to check out a band at midnight or one in the morning. And back when Williamsburg was cool, when you could, when they had like these late night venues, and it's like, you know, these, these are industry people that have been doing it for 60 years and they're still out there. So and I was like, you know, much respect to them. And that's, that was like, I just had a newfound respect for those people that are just out there midnight. Hey, this is why I got into it. So that age is just a number kind of thing just throw that out you know it's it just go with it and love what you do um yeah so thanks duke um let's talk about liberty liberty is something we can cultivate from within and that the freedom of our own minds is within our control to discuss more about liberty and freedom is aisha adamo hey thanks peter great to be with you guys this week again and um you know we just had our July 4th celebration in the US. So there's been a lot of talk of liberty and freedom as there always is in the US. Um, and yes, right now, a lot of people are feeling really boxed in by everything that's going on. We've been in lockdown from COVID for a long time. And the feeling of that ranges from this angstiness of just being caught at home to the deeper emotions of not being able to see loved ones or not being able to grieve properly. Simultaneously on the internet, there are a lot of 
restrictions of expression that even brilliant creators like Lin-Manuel Miranda are experiencing this past week. And for the record, we're not canceling Hamilton. Just sorry, cancel culture. Hamilton stays. Um, but like that all, you know, makes me think as well of uh, the concerts and performances that we're not going to be seeing for a while. And all of us as music artists and creators are really hurting from that and feeling, you know, like there's no space for wiggle room. You know, forget about international tours. Europe won't even have Americans there until we sort our stuff out. So all of this is really taxing stuff. But the truth is, there's a truer freedom in the mind that we can, we can vacation ourselves to the space in our mind during some of this to help us get through it. And I'm finding that lately I'm spending a little bit more time just, you know, curtailing my use of social media, maybe getting away from the addictive click and scroll, which was designed to be addictive, and just setting a little mental space for imagination. I think imagination is a way for us to not have any borders or limits because the mind really is free no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you can connect with that freedom and liberty in the mind. So for the next week, if you want to, just maybe try out having a little bit of time set aside just for imagination, just putting aside the devices, putting aside, you know, those addictive habits and if there are like antipathies and um, you know nervous things or or thoughts of oh I got to do this in the mind, just try to set those aside too, and close your eyes and just see where your mind goes. If you don't let anything interfere with it, maybe it's into a future you that you would like to explore, something that you'd like to manifest. Maybe it's just a flight of fancy, and it doesn't have to make any sense at all. It can just be an adventure that you go on the ride for. So that's what I'd like to propose to you this week to check out and enjoy. Thank you. And the, you talked about social media and maybe stepping away. And it, that is so important. And especially right now, there's it's just information overload. And on the website, on musicindustrycity.com, over in the uh, Success Center, there's actually an article and it's a uh, look at your social media feeds. They're probably terrible for you because if you're looking and you start scrolling through your feed, it's like all this negativity and some of it creeps in. So maybe some old groups or pages you followed, old friends that might not be close friends anymore. And you just like, oh, you just ignore them. But you know, you can, you can like, you know, mute them for 30 days or you can unfollow them. And I, we were looking at it saying, maybe just step aside and clean up your feeds to let more positivity and open up new areas because you're also the way Facebook's algorithm is. You, you're friends with so many people that you might never see a post from somebody in years and maybe they come to the forefront exactly and so much of you know what we see in the feed can be a trap too so if you don't clear the clutter you're walling yourself in in a way that you don't have to so i think that's great advice and i always like to say what are you looking for like if you're people sit there and scroll through instagram what are you looking for what are you are you, are you looking for the best picture you can find are you waiting to see your friend hiking or at the beach like what exactly is it you're looking for that's that's always my question and i find myself doing it. i'm like what am i looking for <laughs> so uh thank you so much and you know I, I like that about you know taking the week and you know 
put some time aside or like think of something and, you know, maybe take a little break from the socials because it is overwhelming right now. Um, to, to move on to the next uh, topic is the phrase, speak your truth. It, it's become a generic hashtag lately, but as artists, this is literally your purpose. We have Stephanie Carlin is going to talk about some of the filters that keep you from speaking your truth. Stephanie? Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. So uh, yeah, speaking your truth. Well, the first truth I want to kick off with is that no amount of fame and no amount of success is going to provide peace of mind, freedom, and deep satisfaction, like in the ways that it really counts on that, that unconditional love frequency. Those are virtues we develop within ourselves, regardless of our circumstances. I mean, speak to anyone who has achieved the level of success you would like to achieve. Their search for freedom, full self-expression, peace of mind, deep satisfaction was not determined by their wealth, their status, or their success. But it is achieved by discerning what is and isn't truth, your truth. Knowing your truth, feeling, tasting, touching, seeing your truth honors that personal integrity you have with yourself. And there are filters that keep us from our truth, that leave us stopped and thwarted, confronted, powerless. At least that's how it will occur in the moment where you're living your truth. And I want to talk about two sides of it, the physical and the emotional. I want to look at the emotions we feel when we're not in our truth. And there are emotions of the lower chakras, the emotions of guilt, judgment, criticism, anger. So you are an artistic leader and your medium is sound, which is a vibration. And one of your commitments is probably that this world consciousness is moved by the sound and vibration you or your clients emanate. So it's pretty important to speak truth, right? Like be in a vibration of truth. Uh, so let's look at these tethers to these lower chakras. Um, who are the people that judge and criticize you? Who do you feel judged and criticized by? Who do you judge? Who do you criticize? Who are you afraid to get angry? Or who do you get angry at? Or who makes you feel guilty? Who do you guilt? We're taught that things can just like come into our life and suck us dry and that is the way it is. Corporations, people, our partners, this industry, but untethering yourself from these lower energies while maintaining boundaries, while asserting yourself, well, there's nothing more powerful you can do to stand in your truth. But our emotions will harmonize with our physical body. And I wanna tell you some kind of crazy stuff about how the body holds emotions, stores emotions, compartmentalizes these emotions. Um, the system of our body that communicates with our hormones to the entire body and rules our emotions. Did you know that your adrenals carry the energy of guilt and indecisiveness in your body? Did you know the thymus is in the upper chest, just above and to the right of the heart chakra, between your heart and throat chakras, and it's responsible for your courage. It's even why like warriors will pump their chest is to like stimulate their thymus. The thyroid is located right on our throat. And people with thyroid conditions are often unable to speak truth because they might've gone through a shock that rendered them speechless and it's a trauma in their thyroid. And then there's the pineal gland. It's this teeny tiny but mighty gland. It's in the back portion of your brain and it's your connection to higher power. And chemicals like fluoride will calcify the pineal gland. So, you know, use that fluoride free, free toothpaste, but they all harmonize together. And if one isn't working, it throws off all your moods and all your emotions. So if you're looking for a physical explanation for being stunted and speaking your truth, I'd start there. 
in harmonizing your endocrine system. But what I offer you today is the radical, audacious act of choosing to forgive. Forgiveness is the second most powerful vibration on this planet, the first being unconditional love. And when we forgive, we are releasing this trapped energy that is stuck in negative cords, and we begin to allow our endocrine system to harmonize. But when we resist forgiveness, we create heavy, heavy anchors that tether our thoughts and our feelings and our energies to the things we actually don't want. We stay tethered. So if you could forgive, what do you need to say that you haven't been saying? And who do you need to say it to? If you could forgive, who do you need to bring more compassion and love to as you discern what they're saying is or isn't truth? This is critical work for you because your truth matters when it vibrates through your art and through your work. And you're worthy of being heard. What you have to say is important. You have to share your art without a compulsion to be defensive or be governed by some fear of standing up for yourself. What would, it, what would your art look like if you weren't humble or small about it? You'd probably be speaking truth. I, I love it. And, and you talk about truth and like the energy and, you know, I, I now have to go check my toothpaste, first of all. Good. So the, the thing you know, that you talk about the energy and the internal energy and, and you're also talking about like confidence and you being able to speak the truth, you also, it generates confidence that you are confident enough to speak the truth. And this is that instead of the vicious cycle, this is the good cycle, where it becomes a natural cycle that you're being truthful to yourself, you can forgive yourself, you can be truthful to others, and you can be confident about it. And apparently from based on what you were saying, that sounds like it would just resonate and amplify good energy flowing throughout, correct? Well, what I hear in what you're saying is also being at peace with whatever fears you may have about being hated. Because anyone who is speaking an authentic truth is bound to have haters. And the question for you as the artistic leader is, are you going to let that hatred stop you or thwart you? Or who are you gonna be in the face of that hatred? I think it's one of the most powerful questions a, an artist can ask themselves. Oh, and as Taylor said, haters going to hate, hate, hate. So thank you, Stephanie. Uh, and that's it for today. Thank you all for tuning in. If you want to chat with our host, stick around for the after show conversation. And if you find this interesting, please hit that subscribe button and ring the notification bell to be alerted about new shows. You can always find us at musicindustrycity.com and on your preferred podcast player. Thank you again to our host, Sam, Aisha, Stephanie, and the Duke. Have a wonderful day and see you next time. Peace.